0: (laughs) hello and welcome to real sex radio the podcast where we get down and dirty to give you the dirt about real human sex (laughs) i'm your host hannah deindorfer a fairy (laughs) godmother sexuality and somatics coach who is here to support you in having wildly intimate connective real sex sex is messy fun playful awkward and most of all human On Real Sex Radio, you'll hear stories from real people about their cringiest and wildest and most exciting sex experiences and tips from me and them on how you can improve your sex life. I am here to keep it real. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Today, I have my very good friend and incredibly brilliant Lila, who is here to share some of her stories with us.
1: Oh, I really like how you specify human sex.
0: Yes, we're we're not. not alien sex. We're not here talking not about alien sex.
1: sex, not vampire sex,
0: <laughs> human sex, human specifically. We're here broadcasting to the humans. Aliens, if you are listening, you can have some insight on us. You're welcome. You are welcome, aliens. <laughs> Yay! Oh my gosh, we're already in it, and I love that so much. Um, so, Lila, can you share first for everyone what is your
1: gender, sexual orientation, and ethnicity. I am a cisgendered female. It feels very good on me. I have never questioned my gender. I'm bisexual, although I've had comparatively very few experiences with women. I still feel like a 14 or 15-year-old when I like a woman Like, I feel a little bit like a 14 or 15-year-old with you, Hannah. (laughs) That makes me excited. (laughs) And I, I often don't express my desire for women because I'm afraid that it will spoil friendships or connection with them, which I value more highly. And because I I'm so interested in men sexually and romantically, I just don't follow those those urges or those desires very much, although I would like to a bit more. I suspect that I am heteromantic and bisexual, but Maybe I simply haven't given myself the opportunity to fall in love with a woman. And maybe because I'm so inexperienced sexually with women, I haven't had the rush of those good inside drugs, those good chemicals that we get flowing that I experience associated with loving sex. Mm, Thank you for sharing that. I'm
0: curious if you want to share about an experience that you have had with a woman where you did follow that urge or if you don't have any of those, like what, yeah, what is it that
1: stops you in that? Mm, I will, and you. I, I just want to say that you you also asked about my ethnicity and I'm a very white presenting female, I'm extremely pale, um, half Brazilian, although my Brazilian side is by way of Russia and Romania. And there are Brazilians of literally all of the shades that human skin can come in, but one of the fun things about being a very white Brazilian is that nobody expects me to be able to speak Portuguese, and so when I... (laughs) when I am on the subway, I can eavesdrop on people speaking Portuguese and then sometimes they notice that I'm noticing them and then I look at them and I go through the bowl and they're like <gasps> <gasps> which is amazing. I I love that moment. I can also then give them directions if they're lost, <laughs> which I have done. <laughs> so there was a woman who I recorded with Theona. She was on my podcast. She was part of my extended sex positive community at Hacienda. And she is pansexual. She used to be quite promiscuous, although I understand now things have shifted for her. And she is more connected. She has a primary partner now. One of the episodes we made was actually called For People Who Don't Want to Fall in Love. And it seems that uh, things changed for her quite dramatically, which I love, I love examples of that. I think we don't offer people the opportunity to change their minds. And the only understanding that I have of the world is that people are going to change. The only, like, really core, true understanding is that people will change. And if we don't, if we're not open to allow them to change there's so much friction and strife and shame particularly when people go from a promiscuous to a non-promiscuous identity or from a non-monogamous to a monogamous relationship structure or status and I find that to be very unfair and offensive I think we've got to (laughs) we've got to be open to the great developments of the river of our life and desires and personal experiences and give everyone else the grace to do the same. It's I know it's unfortunate for a marginalized community to have someone who was a A signifier or an idol or something who then makes a different choice that is more conventional. I can understand how disappointing that is. You don't get to throw shade on them for making their personal choices in accordance with what is true to their desires and love and whom they love in that era or epoch of their life. It's simply not fair and it's not okay. So this woman Fiona is obviously very beautiful She's a Latinx woman, although I'm not sure if she's still identifying as a woman. She was at that time. She has she, she has a, a pin-up style figure and really full and beautiful breasts and luscious lips and big curly hair. And she was somebody who came to the villa, the sex positive intentional community where I used to live. And... When I say she was passed around, I don't mean that. I mean she, she leapt around to different bedrooms. And, and mine was not one of them. It was mostly with men that she was interacting with at the villa. And I am still working on my own internalized slut-shaming. So when I find out that somebody is very promiscuous... I, there's a turnoff in me that happens. I don't judge them for it, but my body closes down a bit. And so I didn't really pursue her. However, I would flirt with her, and one time she was at a sex party being walked around on a leash by her partner, her female partner, and... You know, I asked if I could pet the pet and, <laughs> and then she was on the podcast and the experience that we had was that she was late to working her, I think it was dungeon job actually, or her dom job, I think she worked as a dominatrix for a while. She was, she was running late and we had to cut very short and it was after I had told a very vulnerable story and was crying. And she felt so bad that she had to run out after that to go to work that we made an intention to regroup at some point. That didn't happen until several months later. But I had a long think about what I wanted to do with her. And, I mean, I wanted to kiss her, and I wanted to have have all kinds of experiences with her. But I thought, well, what's a... What's a low barrier to entry? You know, what's something that I'm going to be really comfortable with but is really sensual and could be very sexy and we could really enjoy? And I had recently met the creator of Tribal Markers, and I thought, well, how beautiful would it be if we got naked and ritualistically adorned each other's naked bodies with this caring, artistic expression? So we set a time... And we got together in the event space of Hacienda, Hacienda Studio, which is a big space in the basement, but not basement deep, very beautifully renovated, but dimly lit and with kind of warm red amber lighting and red velvet curtains. And I put the mats out that we use for sex parties. And we had black tribal markers, white, gold, and silver. And we took turns adorning each other. I think we had maybe two to three hours. And it was so beautiful. She was so she was so beautiful. And I admired my handiwork and her beautiful body. And we took some photographs, which I still cherish. And then afterwards we went up to my little room and we just hugged for a very long time. And I was like, mmm, mmm. <laughs> so to this day we have never kissed we've never engaged in any kind of sex play but it was a very sexy experience
0: thank you so much for sharing that I think that it's so beautiful that you when when I when I asked you to call to mind an experience that you've had with a woman what came up was not um, an experience that most people would imagine porn with two women is like And I think I would love to hear what is your definition of sex and intimacy and just you're a fucking expert at this. So I'm so curious to hear what comes out of your mouth at this question. So my
1: first episode of Positively Sex is called What is Sex Anyway? And is all about our definitions of sex. So my current working definition of sex. And as I see it, every definition I've ever heard has a flaw and mine does too. But this is the closest that I've ever come or that I've ever heard to what I think sex really is. My definition of sex is an act of deliberate, consensual, arousing eroticism. That is so beautiful. And
0: by definition, what happened with uh, your female lover is exactly within that definition. Hmm. I suppose it is. Hmm. I hadn't thought of it that way. I hadn't framed it that way. Thanks. You're welcome. What would you say is the flaw in your definition?
1: Well, I don't think of kissing as sex. But kissing is absolutely an act of, or can be an act of deliberate consensual arousing eroticism. I also think that that definition encompasses kink and domination work. And in the United States, unless you are in very specific places in Nevada, or maybe there's one other state that also has brothels, I'm not certain. I'll do that research soon. Unless you are in one of those very specific places, sex work is illegal here. And so categorizing kink work, or domination work, as sex is problematic for many people who work in this industry. So, I think I consider that a flaw in my definition.
0: Yeah, because you want to be able to, you want to have a definition that allows those people to still be operating within the confines of the law. Or, even better, for the law to actually just change to encompass all sex
1: work as legitimate. Indeed, I want that. And I very much so want all sex work to be legalized, regulated, safe. You know, they call it the oldest profession. I don't know if that's true, but it's true enough emotionally. And obviously, it has been needed throughout time. I mean, I think the people who do sex work are doing a great service to humanity. I've never wanted to do sex work. I have a an extremely high level of sexual disgust. So if I'm not attracted to someone, I am usually repulsed by them sexually, which is a kind of strange thing. You know to to have and to say, but that's the truth of my experience in the world. The people who do sex work cannot have that. In fact, they ha- they often have a gift of being able to experience pleasure with people who whom they wouldn't necessarily choose for their own personal recreation, and I think that is exceptional, exceptionally generous, and and really. Gorgeous, and I find the the shade, the the slut shaming, the whore shaming, all to be incredibly deplorable. And it's of course especially coming from people who cannot handle their own desire. I have a theory about why femininity is so derided. The only thing that makes it make sense to me is that. Historically, people socialized as men find themselves unable to handle the uncontrollable nature of their internal experience of desire. And so they try to put sanctions on, cage, legally handicap, blame, and throw shade on women who are free with their sexuality because they are so uncomfortable with the force their own desire exerts on them. So what would you have them learn how
0: to do? If you could imagine a perfect world where men who feel that way, who feel that they cannot control the welling up of desire inside of themselves. And i've i've worked with people like this like i i have experienced firsthand men who report this to me i have so much sexual desire i have this urge to masturbate all the time i don't know what to do with this energy what would you in a perfect world have them be educated in or have them do
1: first of all men need to be lovingly taught that it is okay to have emotions and to express them that's the bottom that's the baseline then They need to be made aware that desire is a healthy thing, that masturbation is a healthy act, that they can choose when they turn on the floodgate of their desire and direct it at someone, and that otherwise, if it is inappropriate to direct it at a person they can turn it back to themselves they can engage with somebody whose job it is to cultivate that like a cam girl or a, a feminist porn or a sex worker and that their desire when engaged with with somebody who really wants it will be a gift. In a gendered way, and I like to be more inclusive, but in a a gendered way, as Esther Perel says, for women the turn on is to be the turn on. I absolutely want to know that my partner is delighting in eating me up. In fact, that is the only way that I can enjoy oral sex and get out of my head enough to have a beautiful orgasm. I had an incredible experience a week week ago in which I had one of the most beautiful sexual encounters of my life. And the enthusiasm with which he licked me and devoured me allowed me to relax in such a way that I experienced a kind of orgasm that I never had before. It was, wow, it is absolutely pouring out. It just started. It was like a firework, firework, firework mushroom cloud. It was so incredible, and I had never had that experience of an orgasm before. I've had many orgasms in my life. Never have I had that experience before. It was so cosmic that I actually laughed afterwards and said, What? (laughs) What? (laughs) Wow. And told him, I've never had that experience before. What? Apart from feeling
0: his desire and delight in indulging in you were there any other conditions that you think made it possible for you to orgasm in that way like if you were were to scan all of the context for things that allowed you to reach that point what do you think those things
1: were well I don't think this is a very positive thing I don't want anybody to emulate it but we had been We had a large fight. I was heartbroken for a couple of weeks. I was barely eating, barely sleeping, thinking about him all the time, feeling devastated, and very much fully allowing the grief to flow through me. So my channel was open My friend Matthew Stillman, and I titled the episode of Horizontal, one of the episodes of Horizontal that he's on, I titled it this, said when we recorded, My heart is broken, may it never heal, for it is open. So my heart was very broken and very open. And when I had convinced him, basically, to come over and see me, we embraced standing up for 10 to 15 minutes, just breathing together, softening into one another, and we hadn't seen each other for a week. So there was a lot of desire and pain and heartache and emotion and after we as we were embracing i was nuzzling and and gently kissing him and then he picked me up and walked me into the bedroom and closed the door and put me down on the bed so there was ample time you know 10 to 15 minutes for my nervous system to become aroused and relaxed so i was extremely relaxed extremely open Raw, from the heartbreak and I had had multiple sexual experiences with him in which the fit was just so incredible that I could come in almost any position so I'd had so many orgasms I've never had that experience before where I could uh, maybe I get one orgasm you know and I'm happy I'd never had that experience before where I could have I could have five I could have them in all different positions and and so I trusted our bodies together and our, the alchemy of us, the incredible just luck of our genitals fitting together in such a beautiful way that nearly every stroke of his gave me tremendous pleasure. So the trust in. In our alchemy, the love, the heartbreak, the pent-up desire from seven days of not being together, the joy of being reunited, the hope that we would have the kind of relationship that I dreamed of, that's the fertile ground from which this very exceptional orgasm sprung. Thank you so much for
0: sharing that. Your vulnerability is so inspiring and I really so deeply appreciate your openness. Um, yeah, it means the world to me. It's so moving. And um I think what came to mind as you were sharing is for me this idea of solace sex. Um, this thing that happens post fight or post breakup or this it's it's a point like sex in that place is a point of coming back together in hope and in solace, and it's a way to physically symbolize a reconnection and a rekindling. and I've experienced it many times. And sometimes, for me, I've noticed that it comes in a really loving way. like it it comes up in this way of, okay, we've regrounded ourselves and now we're um, going to participate in this sex that is a rekindling, and sometimes I notice myself seek it out. To grasp at maybe we can make it work, maybe if our bodies connect in this way, you'll remember how much you love me, a way of like seeking validation and trying to, to trying to get that back. Um, yeah,
1: that just was my thought on that. I was absolutely grasping, I was absolutely trying to remind him of how good that can be and how much he loves me, because the man loves me, and I was absolutely trying to use the best of us to inspire him to continue. But
0: isn't that what, as women, we're always trying to do? To create a vision, to inspire, to, you know, see, say, hey, look at this, look how amazing it could be here. Um, like a muse, like our bodies, our prayers, our vocalizations and moans are prayers to a future and a potential it's amusing and a seduction and it's beautiful in some way and also um (laughs) and rufus is doing a little growl and a little interruption oh buddy (laughs) it was a beautiful thought that i had that is now (laughs) interrupted i think you should wait until he's done and repeat it
1: I'll cut it together
0: for you. okay the moment has passed <laughs> um so yeah my thought is that isn't that what we're always doing as women we are with our bodies creating a vision for what the world can be with our moans and our vocalizations their prayers up to mm. a higher power of joy and ecstasy and pleasure and musing our partners into the best versions of themselves.
1: My roommate calls it the gospel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so whenever I, and he, we share a wall. And so whenever, <laughs> whenever he has a particularly excellent evening or morning or afternoon, I'll see him in the kitchen and say, I heard the gospel. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. I wonder about this. I wonder if that is a socialization. Which part of that? The muse, the creation, or if that is, or if, I wonder if trans women experience more of this desire, this creation, this creative, this muse, this muse energy when they transition. I'd be very, very curious. We spoke earlier today about the study about the Native American trackers, or the the story, I don't actually know if it was a study, the story about the Native American trackers whose whose experience was that once their hair was cut, they couldn't track in the same way they felt divorced from their intuition. i I, I mean, I'm always wondering I I don't think that you can ever say something is nature or nurture. It's always both and. It's always both and. How could you possibly unbraid those influences? But I get very curious when we gender things, and I do it. I do it, you know. Men. 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 (laughs) Men are... Socialize not to experience their emotions. Obviously that's not true for all men, mm-hmm. right? And I hate to make generalizations. I always want to be as accurate and precise with my language as possible. I do it when I speak, I do it when I write. I'm always asking myself, is this true? Could it be more true? Which is why I take such great extensive pauses because I am curating my language like an art exhibit because I want you to see precisely what I see. Ah I love that description and I love your
0: words and the way you use language to create such vivid pictures and as to the question of the socialization the only thing that I believe is innately inherent in the way that we as humans go through the world is that we take in symbol and meaning and create with that and some of the symbols that we receive like long hair or like symbols that represent women to us dresses long hair makeup there's these certain types of symbols that represent a quality of energy that every most people subscribe to in the world like most people will see a bathroom sign that has a dress on it and understand that to mean that people that are identifying as women go in here to use the restroom and in that way it may be that trans women as they take on these symbols and claim these symbols for themselves they take on the symbols of dresses and the symbols of making their bodies look a certain way and the symbols of dressing themselves a certain way that in that they're claiming an energy and an essence and making that their own the same way that you claimed the dress that you're wearing because it symbolized something to you and pulled forth an energy
1: from you that you want to emanate into the world. I think of myself as kind of woo-woo adjacent. I'm not totally... Maybe I'm just one woo. (laughs) I'm a single woo. Woo Woo-woo is just too much for me, but I definitely have some woo in me because energy is powerful. And I feel like anyone... When you explain that, you know, somebody walks into a room and the energy shifts, something changes, you feel something different, we'll understand that energy is a real thing. I would like for us to be speaking about this in energetic terms, in energy terms, rather than in gendered terms. And when I say us, I mean like us collectively as a as a society. I would like to be speaking of this as receptive and creative energy on one side and penetrative and creative energy on the other side. Because there's creation on on both sides of this energy dynamic. So I do understand when people talk about something like polarity, although I find things like that, phrases and terminology like that to be like a little distasteful because of how I think they're being co-opted or being used and and exclusionary and strange. But I do think we, we all contain these types of energy, the penetrative and the receptive. I have plenty of penetrative energy. In fact, I was told at Burning Man by this man who was in my camp that my energy is so masculine, he was very woo-woo, my energy is so masculine that I put him in his feminine and he's not comfortable with that. Really, I think that's a personal problem. I really think that's something going on with him. There's nothing wrong with my penetrative energy, my powerful penetrative energy, as it's sent out into the universe. (laughs) But it definitely triggered my too muchness, my too muchness insecurity. And I saw a meme the other day that was like, maybe I'm not too much, maybe you are not enough. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god! Which is so rude. Which is so rude. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to actually joke about anybody's worthiness like that. Really, but if you're calling somebody too much, that means you can't handle it in some way. It Doesn't mean you have to handle it. You certainly don't. You don't have to have that person in your orbit. But it's not their problem. It doesn't mean that the volume is turned up too high on something that they are. It means that you don't want to be as close to the speaker, as close to the amplifier. And that's fine, step back.
0: (laughs) I think that's a really good place to wrap it up. Um, The last question that I have is always uh, just a very vague question about what you want people to know or understand about sex. And uh, we've had answers ranging from, just put a finger in your butt, to just, this, this is a way to learn how to accept and love yourself. They're, they've been ranging in sincerity and humor, so you're welcome
1: to find what fits you. I recently went out to do my very first field recording. So on location recording, holding the microphone, what you might see somebody doing a segment, uh, an on-the-street segment, man on the street, woman on the street, whatever, person on the street segment doing. And I chose my, for my first location Washington Square Park directly after the Queer Liberation March on Pride because I knew that that would be an incredibly receptive and expansive idea to ask people, what is sex? And my, my experience talking to several members of Gen Z was first, the kids are all right, <laughs> but, but that's because they echoed each other and they said, sex is what you make it. Sex is what you decide it is. Is kissing sex? Sure, if that's what you want. It's entirely up to you. I think this is the way of the future. I think this is the way we eradicate shame. I think this is the way we decide what works for us, including if what works for us is to refrain from sex. There are asexual people in the world who are put upon by this idea that everybody is sexual, that that is normative and everybody must be sexual. They're perfectly fine not being sexual, if they're not interested in being sexual. So I want to include everyone and their choices, and I want to normalize, as I said earlier, our right, our ability and our right for this to change, sometimes dramatically throughout the course of our lives, and for that to be okay. I give you permission to change your mind. Thank you so much, Lila. <laughs> Yay, you're
0: amazing.